Genesis chapter 3 this evening. I want to thank the church for allowing us to stay. Not that you had any choice, but <laughs> I'd had to have it towed off of here. I was out yesterday between rain looking for a place to put a garden in back here. <laughs> I think I found a place for a post, post office box out here. We've been here a while. But please do pray we get it all resolved. We have meetings to go to and very thankful for that. But we sure appreciate your electricity and water. And uh, it's a real quiet place to stay. There's a lot of trains, but you get used to that after a while. And uh, good fellowship. Everybody comes around, stops and says hi to us. We're very grateful for that. Amen. Genesis 3 tonight, when you found that, say amen. It is a... It is a tragedy and a mistake to think that the enemy is not smart. He's going to lose in the end. I've read the last chapter. I know how it all ends out. But to think we can overcome him with our own intellect or our own abilities, our own experience would be to vastly underestimate the enemy. The enemy is not the church down the road, some other denomination. It is the devil. That's our enemy. We're going to find out something about him this evening in Genesis 3. You found that. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, God didn't say all that. He said not to eat of it. She had to help him out. Verse 4, the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also unto husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Father, I pray that you'd help us this evening as we have gathered here to look into your word, Lord, that you'd let it live for us tonight. Lord, it would be a... It would be a, a a, a bulwark, a, a defense against what the enemy wants to do to us. So, Father, help us in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Now, there are things that we're taught and there are things that we learn. I was taught that the stove was hot, but then I learned it. You understand the difference? You can be taught something and it may not get through to you. Once you've learned it, it's a, it's, a, it's a lesson that sticks with you. And so we find here two perfectly sinless, innocent people living in the Garden of Eden. Someone says, and I don't think this is true, that ignorance is bliss. And I don't think that's right. That's why we tell the children, do not play in the, in the highway. 
They don't know any better, but it's not blissful to be there if you don't know the danger of being there. Some things we are willingly ignorant of. We don't want to know the truth. If we knew the truth, we'd have to do it. And then some things we are, uh, we're, we're, we're innocent in it. It's, 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 a, it's an ignorance that we don't know anything about. We're, we're innocent in it until we have been taught or have learned that lesson. Now Satan comes to the Garden of Eden for the first time since time began. Well, time never really did begin, did it? But anyhow... Satan has reared his ugly head. He comes in to the garden to try to get Adam and Eve to go against what God's told them. And by the way, he has not changed his bait since Genesis chapter 3. He tries to get us to doubt the word of God. Tries to get us to doubt what God has said in our life. And, but we don't need to be ignorant of his devices we can know what he's doing just by reading and understanding. Now, the Bible says the first thing it says about the Satan is that he is subtle. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. This subtlety is uh, manifest itself in several ways. Well, I'll mention those in just a moment. But subtle is uh, the ability to come upon something with them not being unaware that you're there. I don't watch a lot of television, and when I do watch it, I want it to do something for me. I don't want it just to entertain me. I don't need that. Amen, Brother Harold. <laughs> Y'all sitting there looking at me like a bump on a pickle, amen. Watch this series about the uh, Serengeti. And uh, maybe they're using that drone that they, they were trying to get Bibles in North Carolina. You said the other nation. Is that still working? I'm not going to have to pay for that, am I? The lion sneaks through the tall grass. And he's about the same color as the grass. He is subtle. He comes upon the weak or the young or the wounded. That's the ones he seeks to take out. He doesn't come to Adam. He comes to Eve. Why? He's subtle. He is subtle in several different ways. He is subtle in his appearance. He is not at this moment crawling on his belly in the form of a snake. That happens later on in this chapter. We don't know what he looked like. He didn't have long red handle underwear and a pitchfork and a long tail and horns coming out his head, then that would have frightened Eve. He's not going to come into your life and scare you. He's going to be subtle in his approach. Subtle in his appearance to the woman that is neglected in her home. He comes in the form of a man that will pay her attention. To the man who is struggling with things in his life, he comes in the form of a young lady that will pay him attention. 
in the life of a young person who is struggling with what every young person struggles with as they grow through the teenage years. He comes in the form of someone that will accept them the way they are and lead them astray. He is subtle in his approach. He's subtle in his appearance. He is subtle in his advice. You know, David Koresh, that's a name from way back. Got the people in Africa to drink Kool-Aid. Now there's nothing wrong with Kool-Aid. I like the grape stuff myself. If I'm going to have it, that's what I want. Great. But it was the little bit of poison they added to the great Kool-Aid. I don't know what's great, but the Kool-Aid that killed everybody on the compound. See, he, he comes in his approach and his appearance, his advice is all, it's not to scare you, it's not to frighten you, it's not to put you on your guard. It, he comes this way because he is more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And that's scripture, you can take that to the bank. Now, what does he want to find out? I have three thoughts tonight. Gene and I walked to church. And <laughs> probably have to walk home in the dark. First thing he wants to know when he comes to me and you is this, what is your reservoir of truth? How much truth do you have in your tank? Our bus holds 150 gallons of diesel fuel. I know how much is in it. I know I'm, the gauge tells me how much that reservoir holds and how much is in it. Now that's what he comes to find out. How much truth do you have in your gospel tank? Because see, let me show you this. Please, if you don't get anything else, please get this. He cannot attack you when you stand on truth. It is when we get off of truth that we become his target. What did God say? That's really what he's saying. Yea, if God said, you should not eat of every tree of the garden, he's, he's wanting to know how much truth that she has. She has some truth, but then she has some that's not truth. We may eat of the trees, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, we can't eat it. And then she added this, neither can we touch it lest we die. Now when she said that, he knew he had her. Because she stepped off the truth. How much truth do we have? Because I'm going to tell you something. The devil knows the scripture. He knows it better than I do. He knows it better than pastor does. He knows it better than anybody does. Amen. And he will use that and twist it just a little bit. Just put a little bit of poison in with the good stuff. What is your reservoir of truth? Well, we sing songs just come through Christmas. Uh, we three kings of Orion are my favorite joy to the world. Uh, we don't know there were three kings. They brought three gifts. Probably didn't come across the desert, three of them. They're probably closer to 30 of them than there was three. So that's a small thing. But so was not touching the fruit. That's a small thing. And yet she took a step away from truth. Well, you know, the Bible said that a bird in the hand's worth the, uh, you know, one in the bush. 
No, no, it doesn't say that. Well, I heard someone say that, you know, every rusty can will sit on its own bottom. No, you might have heard that, but it didn't come from the Word of God. We take things that society says or grandma says. Thank God for grandma's memory, but she may have been wrong. She may not have been willingly ignorant. She may have been innocently ignorant. But she passed something on to you, and we repeat these things without finding whether it's the truth. And when we get off truth, then we become a target for Satan. What is your reservoir of truth? Well, you know, the Bible talks about that death angel. No, it doesn't. He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You say, these are small things. I know they are, but then it isn't long till that small thing becomes a little bit bigger thing. We compromise the truth. When we went on the road, 1973, that's 50 years ago. That's a, I'm old. Had an old 1952 GMC bus. My dad and I took the seats out of and built bunk beds in and my mom and my dad and me and two brothers younger than me and then a little sister that we really didn't need in the family. She never did, contri never contributed anything to the family. Not bitter about that at all. Moved into this bus and my, we lived in Texas and my dad got a verse that said, you've come past this mountain long enough, turn you northward. He said, we're family, we're going to go north. Well, from Texas, that's about the only way he came. He made up his mind to go north and began to evangelize. But before we went north, and we had this old bus and, and we put plenty of antifreeze in it to hold a hard freeze. We knew he was going north. Before we went north, went to Louisiana. It's hot. That old bus would get hot. We'd stop, put a gallon of water in it, and hold like, like 22 gallons. You know. Next trip, it'd get hot. We'd run the water hose out there and put some water, you know, fill it up. And here a little, and there a little. And we got to Indiana, the winter of 1973, and the thing froze up. It was a real shock to us until my dad said, Remember all the times we watered it down and watered it down a little here, a little there, until it would no longer hold the freeze. That's what we've done. We've watered the truth down here and there and here and there. And now we become a target for the most subtle creature on the face of the earth. If you don't think he can get you, you're more of a target than you think you are. How much truth do we know? Satan only attacks us when we step off the truth. And he knows the truth, and he will use that against us. What is your reservoir of truth? You better find out what the Bible says about whatever you're talking about. If you're going to talk about something, you better find out what the Bible says about it. Amen. Number two, wasn't that quick? Better walk home. What is your reservoir to? Number two, once in this, know this. What is your respect for the truth? 
Well, she knew the truth because God had told them in chapter 2, don't have time to go back there, you go back there and read it, about all the trees, and you can have them all. They're all yours, except this one. Why do we always want what we know we can't have? What is your respect for the two? Now, she knew the truth, but she stepped off of it. The devil said, I've got you now, you're mine. You don't know it yet, but I've got you. He said it'd be a, a tree to make you wise. That's what he said. A tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, when she took the fruit and got that knowledge, it didn't help her any, did it? See, what the devil offers us, kind of shiny on the outside, but it's not going to help you any. Not going to help me any. What's your respect for the truth? Moses knew the truth. There came a time when the children of Israel needed water. And God said, I want you to take the rod, you and Aaron, go out there, hit the rock one time, and if water will come out to water between two and a half and three million people and all the flocks and herds. Are you kidding me? That's a lot of water. And Moses did that, took the staff, went out there. What a redneck thing to do. <laughs> I believe I could even do that. Take a stick and hit a rock. How much talent does that take? Boy, hit the rock, and here comes the water. What a miracle of God taking care of his young and supplying their need. Years later, they need water again. God said, this time I want you to speak to the rock. That rock, by the way, followed them all the way through the wilderness. You read your scripture. And he says, here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And he hits the rock twice. And the water came out because God's obligated to take care of his young'uns. And God said, that does it for you. You'll see the land, but never step foot in the promised land. Because he knew the truth, but he had no respect. For the truth. I'm the leader of Israel. I'm the one that brought them out in the great exodus. I'm the one that went before them. I'm the one that made the, the Red Sea. Well, it really wasn't him doing any of that, was it? I may have shared this with you. My granddaughter taught me a new word, a word I didn't know, and the word is photobomb. Some old people are going, I don't know what that means. Means that someone's going to take a picture of something very important, a wedding or a graduation, and some fool, just about the time the camera goes off, sticks their head in there with their eyes crossed and their tongue out <laughs> and bombs the photo. This is what we do to God. Herod did it in the book of Acts made a speech, and they said, it's the voice of a God and not of a man. And he took all the praise for it, and God dropped him on the spot, and the worms ate him. He got in front of God. Nebuchadnezzar did this. He walks through the palace one day, said, look what all my hands have done. Look, look at all that I've done. And the next picture, we see Nebuchadnezzar in the field eating grass like an ox for seven years. Why? He got in front of God. And Ananias and Sapphira did it. 
because they knew the truth, but they had no respect for the truth. David in the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel or 1 Samuel chapter 11, at a time when kings go forth to war, David tarried still at Jerusalem, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman's very beautiful to look upon. He knows truth. He knows she's married. Who is this woman? That's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He knows she's married. He knows that Uriah is one of his faithful men that's in the war fighting the battle he should be at himself at a kind of time when kings go forth to battle. But knowing the truth and doing the truth are two different things. He had been taught the truth, but he hadn't learned it. And he takes Bathsheba. He is the king. It isn't long till she sends him word, I am with child. He sends to Joab, send me Uriah from the battle. And Uriah comes home and he inquires about the war. He doesn't care about the war. If he cared about the war, he'd be at the, fight, at the front fighting himself. He wants, he wants Uriah to go home and cover up this dirty deed, this sin that he's done with his wife, Bathsheba. Uriah has more character than anybody in the Bible I've read about. He sleeps that night across the threshold of his king, guarding his king. Second night, when plan A fails, he goes to plan B, and the second night gets him drunk. You read your scripture. Again, he has so much character, he won't go to his wife. He sleeps with the servants at the king's door. When plan A fails and plan B fails, he goes to plan C and puts a hit order out on Uriah. Puts a contract for his death, puts it in his own hand, knowing he has so much character, won't even open it and read it on the way to the battle. And in the contract, he tells Joab, put him in the hottest part of the battle, and then retire from him, see that he's killed. And friend David killed Uriah just as sure as he pulled a bowstring himself. See, knowing the truth and doing the truth are two different things. Well, David says, I guess I'm the king. And truth really doesn't apply to me. I can do what I want, and I can get by with it. And once he stepped away from the truth, the devil said, I've got you. And from the time he kills Uriah, the battle bow never hangs on the war room wall in David's palace. His own children rise up in surrection. One son rapes Tamar, his daughter. Absalom rises up in treason against him. Say, what happened? He got off the truth. He had no respect for the truth. Moses didn't have any respect for the truth. David didn't. How about Peter? The Lord said, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. Now, this is truth speaking to Peter. John said he was full of grace and truth. That's how John described Jesus. This is truth personified saying to this man, Peter, you're going to deny me. He said, you're lying. Basically, that's what he said. Why, I'd never do that. This other crowd of flunkies, they may deny you, but you can give in on me, I won't. And what happened? He stepped away from the truth. He had no respect for what truth told him, and he denied the Lord three times. And I believe that's why the Lord asked him three times, lovest thou me? each time that he denied him. Look, there's been times when I know the truth and he didn't do it. 
we know what, let, 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 let's get a little, let's get down here where the rubber meets the road. We know what the speed limit is. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> but that doesn't apply to me. You see what I'm saying? No respect for the truth. I can get by with it. I've been doing this for years. Preacher, don't worry about it. It's never going to happen to my kids or my grandchildren. You're denying truth. When, you deny, when I deny truth, I'm putting a target on my life. What is your reservoir for truth? Number two, what is your respect for truth? Number three, I'll be through, what is your response to the truth? She said, if we had, he said, if you'd eat this fruit, whatever it was, doesn't matter. You'd be as gods, knowing good and evil. She takes of the fruit, now listen to me close, and takes a bite, and nothing happens. Because she's not the head of the home. Where's all the men saying amen, beating your tears? I'm the head of my house. Yeah, that's true. We are. We're going to answer to God for what happens in our homes. And she gives to her husband and he did eat. And then the eyes of them both are opened. And they know that they are without clothing. What's your, what's your response to the truth? Well, as far as I can tell, there's three things that we can do. We can ignore truth. Well, that really doesn't apply to me. That, that's, that's Old Testament. Well, if you'll sit here, I could give you some instances of New Testament things. I did about Peter, Ananias and Sapphira, they knew me. We can ignore truth. Doesn't apply to me. That was Old Testament. We're living in New Testament days. The grace of God is here. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I am grateful for His mercy. Yesterday I wore his mercy plumb out. Do you know what the word plumb means? I wore it slap dab out. When I got this morning, it was brand new. His mercy's new every morning. You can ignore truth. I know, I know Brother Noble's preaching, but he wasn't preaching to me. Don't you look up here in my God-given eyeballs. I'm going to tell you something. I'm preaching to everybody here, including me. We can ignore truth. We can improve truth. That's what Eve did. You know, eating the fruit, <laughs> that's pretty bad, but let me, I'm going to help God out. We can't even touch it. She tried to improve on what truth had said. How many times have you heard this? Now, a better translation would be, who are you to improve truth? Who am I to improve truth? Amen? We can try to ignore it, we can try to improve it, or we can embrace truth and say, truth is for me. Truth is for me. Sang the song tonight, Trust and Obey. The trusting part's a lot easier than the obeying part. Amen. Trust and obey. So now they're without clothing. 
Bible said they take fig leaves and make themselves aprons. The word apron, I'm not changing the word of God, I'm not improving it, simply means a covering. And that's what they did, they made an apron. I personally believe when they got the aprons made, they put them on. I don't think they made them and fold them up, put them under a bush. Said next time we're going someplace, you know, invited someone's house, we got something nice to wear. No, nobody invite them over, it's just them. I believe they put them on. There's no doubt Adam looked at Eve's apron and said, that is a lovely apron. I like the arrangement. I like the color. It makes your hair shine. Brings out the color in your eyes. That's a beautiful apron. No doubt Eve looked at Adam's apron and said, you can't wear those two colors together. <laughs> Part of that's poison ivy. You not even a fig leaf. Because that's the way men and women have always been. Men have always been very complimentary and women have always picked on their husbands. One, two, eight, two, amen, three, amen. Bunch of cowards. Let me read it to you, it's better. Verse number eight. Go back to seven. The eyes of them both were opened they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. My question is, Adam, where's your apron? He said, I've got it on, and my apron covers my nakedness in Eve's sight, and her apron covers her nakedness in my sight. God, I knew when you got here, this wasn't going to be enough. You see, the apron is man's cover-up. I messed up a lot. And messing up's bad, but covering up's worser. Can I say worser here? Worser. Because now you're guilty of two sins. God had to kill an innocent animal and slay innocent blood to make a covering. Because the devil came along and got them to go against what God because he is more subtle than any beast of the is, Lord God. Sin that at one time frightened us to death. Now, let, let me get a little, let me, let me go back in time a few years. When the disease of AIDS came upon the scene, it was not originally called AIDS, it was called GRIDS, gay-related immune deficiency syndrome. But they got to our weak-kneed, lily-livered, spineless, pink lemonade-sipping politicians and said we don't want our quote-unquote alternate lifestyle associated with this disease 
So they changed it from GRIDS to AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome, and it scared us to death. We wouldn't go in the bathroom at the restroom. At the restaurant, our children were little, little bitty when it's come out. We didn't let them go in the bathroom. We didn't know how it was transmitted. But time went by. And now there's one of them on every sitcom on television. And they become the one that everybody feels sorry for or the hero or the one that gets the biggest laugh lines. You know why? Because we've gotten accustomed to sin. And that's just one, that's just one small example. There's no gospel song that said we're getting used to the dark. We're not seeking the light. We've just got to where we can get around the dark a little bit. And God's written the truth for us. He's so good to us that he, he didn't just leave us out there, just do the best you can, just stumble along, you know, just do the best you can. He put truth out there. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for stop signs and traffic lights. Because I would run over some of y'all. And you'd run over me. I'm thankful for these laws that are out here that keep us safe for the most part. God put these things in here not to hurt us, not to hinder us, but to help us. But I want to tell you that the enemy loves nothing better than taking down one of God's people. His first desire is to take your soul to hell. That's priority number one. If you mess around and get saved, he can't do that. So priority two means, uh, comes in place, he wants to ruin your testimony, your witness for the Lord. And to ruin the Christian, he's got to get us off of truth. And then he's got us. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd do that work in all of our hearts and lives that only you can do. Lord, I don't know who here needed this message. It was for me. Lord, I pray that you'd do something for us tonight. Lord, if nothing else, help us to tuck this away in our, our hip pocket and not be so blown away when Satan comes to get us. To be armed, to be ready, to know truth and be ready to answer with truth and truth alone. Help us in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as our sister plays a hymn, the, the altar's open tonight. It's mostly, I know preachers said we have some visitors, and I suppose we do, but it's mostly home folk. Say, preacher, it's not me, but I got somebody I care deeply about. They have strayed away from the truth. Would you come and pray for that one tonight? an intercessory prayer for someone that needs your help. They've wandered away from the truth. They've gone their way and done what they want to do. Become a target for the devil.
Someone come, would you join us tonight? Would you pray where you are? Lean forward and make that, that chair in front of you your altar. she place for this course, you mind the Lord. Father, thank you for the truth that we have heard tonight in this message. Lord, how it resonated with our heart. And Lord, in this place, and I'm confident that it was your message for this hour delivered by your man, your servant. We thank you for that, that we have heard, that we have learned, that you have taught us this evening. We um, pray that, that every, all of us, Lord, and I speak mostly of myself tonight, to take these thoughts Tonight, meditate upon them this week. Remember them throughout this week. And I thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to these things tonight. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. According to truth. When Satan comes.